Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What's up, everybody? Welcome to College Football's Last Call. You guys, it's hard to believe, but the 2023 regular season has now come to its conclusion. It's been a wild ride, concluded with four unbeaten teams, including the amazing and unbelievable feat that our Georgia Bulldogs pulled off three straight years going 12-0. How freaking sweet it is. To commemorate the end of the season, we have a special guest joining us in the house tonight, along with Jason Lawrence. We have uh, the Last Call Show's producer, who's been working behind the glass diligently all season to keep us straight and keep track of all this nonsense that we keep talking about week in and week out. That's right. Live from the sports barn in sunny San Diego, California, the five-time All-American Nick Adams in the house. Guys, what's up? It's good to see y'all's faces. Nick, great to see your face, man. What's happening? Welcome, Nick Adams. So, little known secret to live a scene behind the uh, behind the curtain is uh, Axe, the five time All American, has been a little bit of a sounding board for me throughout the season uh, with some insight onto the twelve takeaways with Jam Coffee, and also uh, I bounced a few ideas of the sucker bet off of him. Uh, mo- mostly, the ones I bounce off him end up winning. So, Axe, appreciate the uh, the help and uh, the administration. So uh, welcome to the last call. Appreciate it, Larry. My pleasure, bud. Lawrence, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because I thought you were just shitting on Nick right off the rip there <laughs> and trying to blame your, your shitty bets on him. So I'm glad you clarified that and gave him some credit. But uh, Nick, happy to help you on board. For, for those of you that don't know, Nick and I lived together at the University of Georgia twice, in fact. Um, so uh, going back a long way, but, uh, yeah, great, great weekend. Uh, great dogs win and the third season in a row going 12 and up before we get into anything. I just want to say the our last regular season loss was in October of 2020 to put things in perspective, special time we're in him right now. We'll, we'll have celebrated four Christmases, uh, since our last regular season loss, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, you and Nick, y'all were, uh, freshman roommates in Russell hall, right? That is correct. You remember yep. the room then, number? Uh, we were on the third floor. I remember that. I don't remember the room number. Nick, do you? No, I do not. I do not remember the room number. Hey, That's then we awesome. did our last. We did our last semester together as well, uh, out by uh, Allen's Hamburgers in Normaltown. Is that That's called right. Normaltown? Yeah, I think it was Hol- Holman Avenue, right? Wasn't that the street? I, I believe so. Right. I believe so. The, the, the fifth year oh. victory lap football season. I love it. So, so Nick, you're in San Diego. Um, obviously, you're a huge dogs fans like us. Do people give a crap out there about college football? And do they even know what George is other than what you tell them? Um, yeah, that's kind of tough. There are there are certain people that care. Uh, you know, obviously my family that all lives out here, we all care. Uh, and actually, there's a Georgia bar in our neighborhood, actually, the bar restaurant bar restaurant right down the street from us is the uh, Georgia nice. alumni bar. And uh, so we've gone to watch a few games there and it's, uh, you know, they're, but you know, they're all Georgia people that have come here. So, you know, it's, they're all fans, but uh, to put it in perspective, I watched this game at a end of the year softball party at uh for my daughter's softball team. And, um, you know, party of course happens right in the middle of the dogs, Georgia tech game. And I, uh, but I'm like, I got to watch. So, 
people, you know, people who were hosting the party were like, sure, we'll put it on for you. And uh, so I'm just, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what channel? When does it start? What? And it's like, I'm watching the game. You know, I got a sweatshirt on that says Georgia football on it, whatever. And I'll still get people being like, so what's Georgia ranked? Uh, <laughs> and uh, which which team are you cheering for again? They're ranked and, uh, like, <laughs> right there. <laughs> so it's it just cracks me up. And then people be having a conversation and I'll be walking by and I'll go like, yes. And they'll like start. I'll be like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, just watching the game. My bad." My yeah, Cal- California living, right? You can you can go get a game at nine a.m. with some bacon and eggs, a Bloody Mary, um, and, and have, still have the whole day in front of you to go surfing or whatever it is. Uh, I've watched a few games out in Newport Beach before, so uh, it's not it's not too shabby. You get done with the late games early as well, so it's uh, yeah, you got some bonuses there. For sure, so the three For of sure. us. The three of us were in Bobby Dodd section two twenty four. Had a great time. Uh, Lawrence, Jason, who wants to start off with the takeaways from the game? Yeah, uh, I'll get us started here. So it was it was a great day. It was kind of a last-minute tailgate that we put together. Um, what was quite amazing is we started talking through the, the whole situation of going to the game and looking for tickets. Uh, our host here, Josh, sends me a link and says, hey, we can buy tickets to the Georgia Tech season ticket website. So we avoided uh, the secondary market, and I hate to uh, – to, breaks the secrets that may uh, come haunt us in two years from now. Uh, but we bought eight together and then some other people bought two more in the same section. And then uh, some other friends bought five, a section over, and we ended up taking over two rows in section 224. Um, I will say um, in terms of the game day environment at Bobby Dodd, everything was great down there. They, they Brent Key's done a good job to, to get the crowd hyped up. The tailgating atmosphere was a lot of fun. Once you're in the stadium, uh, the, the stadium in-game entertainment was great. A lot of music. Uh, my kids had a blast. Jordan Kessler was dancing her head off, and uh, we had a great time. But what will what they cannot handle is a crowd of more than 40,000 people trying to get into that stadium. It took us, what, 35, 40 minutes? It was harder to get into that stadium than it was getting into Mercedes-Benz for the Georgia-Alabama National Championship in 2018, whenever that was. Lawrence, letting your secret out won't haunt me because I'm never going back to that shit box again. Though I've said <laughs> I say that every two years, and then they keep they bring me right back in. Uh, it was very difficult. I actually walked right in. I went in the wrong gate, and it was impossible then to get over to 224 for for a engineering school. They've got some really shitty uh, flow throughout that stadium. So uh, the game was fun. It was cold. It was windy. Um, I left at halftime because I had to take care of a child um, and uh, and take said child home who was overserved on Coors Lights. Serving beer in the uh, in the stadium, it's always a cool thing. I mean, like we're all obviously forty something years old, can buy beer wherever we want, but being able to have it at the ready in a college game like that is just it's just pretty unique. And yes, some people in our group took more advantage of it than others, which led to um, led to you leaving early. Uh, I thought the tailgate scene was great too. Uh, Lawrence secured a spot over at Peter's deck, which was a stone's throw from the entrance. Uh, we had kids with us that were just kind of cruising around the campus, going to fraternity parties, checking out chicks. You know, you had all, all the makings of a really fun day. Um, game itself, look, I mean, was I ever concerned about the outcome? No. Was it closer than we wanted? Yes. Was it super vanilla game plan from Georgia? Yes. Was it part of Kirby's long con? Yes. Did Georgia Tech play good? Yes. Um, entertainment, I agree with you, Lawrence. 
lights, the music, everything. So I give the game an A in terms of just the environment. I think that there's a lot of things that Georgia can work on and clean up for next week. But uh, look, a win's a win. Governor's Cup, Governor Kemp handing out the hardware. So that's yeah, that. I, Nick, on TV, what did you see? I, I mean, like you said, very vanilla play calling. I would say the penalties were what was irking me a lot, inopportune time penalties. Uh, and like you said, I wasn't, I was never worried really. I mean, granted I do watch the game with kind of a bit of a nervous tick just because of that's who I am. But, uh, it got to the point towards the end where I was at this, you know, party, as I said, and I'm just annoyed because I want to like half watch and I can't half watch because we can't put it away <laughs> like that. Uh, what was the, the penalty on the bell TD with the, uh, you know, man downfield oh, or whatever. Cedric Van Pan. Yeah. yeah, that was a killer. And it was just like, all right. But I mean, I like you said, never worried. A win's a win, you know. Uh, so I, I was pleased. Well, part yeah. of it was that game just seemed to drag on and on and on. I feel like even though they're the same family of networks, the ESPN game seemed to go a little bit quicker. ABC just kept having more TV timeout after TV timeout. Um, now, I don't want to sit here and say that maybe we didn't take Georgia Tech very serious, but we sat our five of our top offensive players. Um, again, still missing a couple of guys on defense. We didn't run any like sexy schemes and defense to blitz to blitz uh, Haynes King. Um, Carson Beck had the least amount of dropbacks and least amount of pass attempts all season long. There wasn't any offensive schemes to get receivers open as evidenced by the fact, I think we only had what, like five receivers, uh, tally stats on the day, where if you go look at every other game this season, Beck's hit like nine to 10 guys. Uh, I think the strategy for this game was get in, get out, work on a few things that you need to work on. Don't put anything that they, that Alabama hasn't seen on tape and try to get back to Athens without any major injuries. So yeah, it was closer than we had hoped, but Hey, good on tech. I think they, I think they are moving in the right direction with Brent key, but they're not yet quite at the point where they've got garnered our full attention to kick their ass. Well, they, they are moving in the right direction. And the only reason is you couldn't go in the other direction, right? They haven't been to a bowl game since 2018. So the, there's only, <laughs> there's only one way to go. Uh, yeah, put things in perspective. Again, you had Brock sitting, you had Ladd sitting, your two top receivers, Rara sat, Tate Ratledge sat, uh, Jamon Davis Johnson, and then you played two true freshmen inside linebackers most of the game. Um, you know, again, just just to to take it even a step further, it was 31-13 to start the fourth quarter, right? It was about to be 38-13, and we had a freak, uh, freaky tip interception at the goal line. Um, That's interference. Yeah, sure. Uh, th this thing, this thing could have been really ugly. Um, whatever. Got got the W. Move on. We should get all of the. I don't want to steal the J stat injury report, but I I feel we'll be a lot healthier this week um, going into the marquee matchup and SEC championship game of the year. I will say Haynes King played very well. I think Buster Faulkner called a really good game for Tech. Uh, there were some things that definitely gave us trouble and. And it is somewhat concerning with, with Jalen Milrow, a running quarterback, coming up this week. But I think there's also a lot of things on defense that we could get cleaned up. We can't have – on offense, we can't have stupid turnovers. Uh, and on defense, we, we've really got to, I'd say, play a, a lot more discipline in terms of uh, uh, maintaining uh, their lanes uh, against the um, running threat. So uh, move on and uh, kick some ass this weekend. 
So in terms of the Jay Stein injury report, I mean, yeah, you brought up the, the, the four names. Um, everybody's talking about it right now. You know, Ladd, Brock, Rara, Tate, uh, Ratledge. Look, they're all going to play this weekend, every last one of them. I think they all probably could have played last weekend against Tech if we needed them. Um, you're telling me that Brock Bowers is not going to play in this SEC championship game or, or Ladd McConkey. I just, I just I just don't believe that that's even going to be remotely a possibility. Uh, keeping them out. Rah, rah, he'll be back too. So um, I think we're going to be at full strength. I mean, Jason, you said a couple weeks ago, we're trending in a healthy direction. I feel like, you know, we sat those guys out at Tech because we could, and we knew it wasn't, wasn't going to harm us, get them another week of uh, of get right. So let's roll. Kendall Milton, guys, no one mentioned his name. That guy was freaking amazing Saturday night. I mean, we've, we've dogged him on this show week in and week out, uh, first half of the season. His trajectory is pointing straight up, though. So getting him That's back. That's the right time. Getting him physical, uh, coming at the right time. Yeah, he uh, a healthy Kendall Milton is a dangerous running back. He, I read today that his PFF score, for whatever it's worth, is the highest single season PFF score for a Georgia running back since Nick Chubb. So um, he's really come on the last couple of games, and he's got two hundred yard games in the last three. If he can keep it up, uh, our offensive line again is playing really strong. We continue to rotate guys through. I think our weakest offensive lineman right now is probably Xavier Truss, and he's kind of a, our Swiss Army knife. Uh, you can put him anywhere. So as long as our offensive line can give Carson Beck time, as long as they can continue to create some holes for Kendall Milton and Dejan to get through, um, we will continue to be an offensive threat in every game that we go into. So yeah, our I was game... Gonna, oh, go ahead, Nick. So I was just going to say, speaking on Milton, uh, I don't know if y'all saw, but they did like a run blitz or something on him, and he did this jump cut and got by two guys, had a massive gain. Like his, he was always just a straight kind of downfield runner, but I like seeing him cutting more and, you know, doing more things than I feel like he was able to do when maybe he wasn't fully healthy. So, uh, really, he's, got, to see quick, he's got quick feet like Jason Gans on the dance floor <laughs> in Veal. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, I'd like to see him wax and chop. I'm sure it could. <laughs> we all we all left um, our houses, you know, between three and four to head down to Tech. Uh, got to catch a lot of the Michigan Ohio State game, which everybody was watching. The eyes of the country were on it. Uh, Nick, that's early your time, nine a.m. Did you wake up with some some eggs, some kegs, and some uh, Michigan versus Ohio State? I I absolutely watched. I think pretty much every snap of that game. Uh, I, I will say. That was just a like, just run, 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 run. They were just like banging their heads against each other that whole game. Uh, and I don't know if it's the Michigan thing. I don't know if that's because they don't trust, uh, you know, no Harbaugh. So Sharon Moore is out there trying to maybe like not lose the game, not make a bad decision. So he's just like, well, we just go with the run the whole time. Cause I think McCarthy can make some good throws for them. And, you know, they didn't really let him throw it that much, to be honest. And they haven't actually really all season. McCarthy's McCarthy, in my opinion, is a pretty good quarterback. Um, they did say something during the game that he's got four, four speed, um, which, and then I saw a tweet shortly following that. that says, if he's got four, four speed, then I'm six foot nine. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing that jumped out of me in that game again is Ryan day just being a terrible coach. He's got the second best player in the country in Marvin Harrison, and I think he targeted him like three or four times. I don't know if Michigan's playing that good a defense, but you got to find ways to get the ball in his hands. 
And when they did, good things happened. They just didn't do it enough. And then they think they wasted it. They didn't call a timeout when they should towards the end of the game when Michigan had that six-minute drive to essentially seal it. Um, Listen, quite honestly, again, neither of those teams scare me. Uh, Last year, the Ohio State team with C.J. Stroud at the helm was a lot scarier than they are with uh, Kyle McCord. Uh, But uh, I think their playoff chances are now slim to none, and uh, Slim just walked out the door. So uh, Michigan moves on to Iowa, and uh, Ohio State will uh, go play probably uh, Fiesta Bowl or something like that. Hey, Larry, don't tell the uh, ESPN playoff predictor that Ohio State's (laughs) out of it because – I don't know. I ran a few of them, and every time, like if one or two of the top team loses, Ohio State's number four all of a sudden. I'm like, how? How? I see no path. (laughs) I I see no path to Ohio State getting it. I agree with pretty much everything you guys just said. Uh, I only watched the first half of the game. Neither team scares me at all. I think Georgia would boat race both of those teams. I agree with you, Lawrence. How do you not get the ball in Marvin? Marvin Harrison Jr., there should be 12 balls thrown at him during the course of the game. So so kind of on Ryan Day. That, that brand of football is just boring. Um, and without C.J. Stroud, that, that team is significantly, significantly different. Ohio State. Yeah, Day losing to the interim coach is a tough pill for those fans to swallow. I, he, he might be uh, on his way out, much to all of our chagrin. So as as the day continues on, we've got Bama versus Auburn. Um, I'll be honest, I watched zero plays of that game. It was going on while we were tailgating. But my God, that last couple of minutes, uh, going back on the rewatch and reading the highlights, seeing how it all happened, my goodness. Uh, that rivalry just seems every year to – or not every year, but every so often produces just some crazy, wacky finish. So uh, did any of y'all actually watch that in real time? I did. Yeah, I was with Lawrence. I stayed next to Lawrence's son. Uh, yeah, we we watched it in the, in the parking lot for the tailgate, the last couple of plays of it. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, and, I watched a good bit of it. You know, so, listen, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself here because I know we're really going to cover. Um, we're really going to cover uh, the Bama Georgia game, the Georgia Bama game coming up this weekend. Uh, but if if Bama has that hard of a time hanging with Auburn at this point in the season, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, um, I mean, listen. Uh, this, again, this was Auburn Super Bowl, and I can't believe how many different ways they tried to screw that up at the very end, and it finally came back to bite them in the ass. On the 10-year anniversary of the kick six, you got the what do they call it? The uh mirror the Milrow miracle. Um Mil- I think Hugh Mil- Freeze Mil- again. Yeah, the Mil- the Milthrow. Mil- Mil- I heard. <laughs> uh I think Hugh Freeze again, it comes back to coaching malpractice. I don't know how these guys get it wrong so often. Like he rushed two and then had everyone in coverage and still let a guy get open in the back of the end zone. I mean, maybe he pushed off a little bit, but uh, yeah, the, the Iron Bowl always delivers. So, uh, hey, Auburn fans get their hearts ripped out once again. And uh, it seems like Nick Saban, again, has a, a deal with the devil to pull out a victory like that as he heads into the SEC championship game. Yeah. So, Larry, not only did they rush two, they had a spy. That was the third guy. He was spying Jalen Milrow in case he scrambled for 31 yards. With like one of the eight other like guys, one of, the, one of the eight guys in the end zone wouldn't yeah, right, have been right. able to catch him if he was running thirty yards. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy. Other top teams hold on and, and and win too. Washington holds on, survives. FSU beats a bad Florida team, although they almost lost to Florida. Uh, Oregon wins. Texas, we said hold serve last week. They all held serve again. So 
Um, it's all coming down this week. I mean, we got conference championship games. All the big boys are still there. Michigan knocked out Ohio State, but there's still, what, six or seven teams in contention? Yeah, seven I mean. Teams. Yep, go ahead, Gaines. Yeah, yeah. look, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, FSU, and uh, Tejas. Am I missing anyone? No, I don't think so. No, that's that's all. I think that I think well in Ohio State according to the playoff yeah. predictor, but I mean, um, I mean, I think Texas and Oregon probably looked the strongest during rival rivalry week. Washington eked one out last minute. Um, you know, Florida State just you know without Jordan Travis, they're going to have a tough matchup against Louisville, who just lost to a what a six win Kentucky team. Um, but if they go undefeated, how do you leave them out of the playoffs? Well, that's a good question because I, I'm not even getting into this from the Georgia perspective, but what what is the actual criteria? Is it the four best teams? Is it the four most accomplished teams? Is it four undefeated power five teams? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what their criteria is anymore because Georgia's going to beat Alabama this weekend. But if Georgia lost and, and you are picking the four best teams in the country, surely you'd say Georgia's better than Florida State. But then how can – you know, it's just – so I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know what what the criteria is. I mean, if Georgia happened to lose, and then you then Vegas set odds against Georgia against every other team in the country, we'd be favored against every other team in the country, so including Alabama in a rematch. Yeah, thousand percent. I mean, I think the criteria is you put the playoff committee in a room, and then they make up whatever crap they need to make up to try to get ratings. Yeah. Here's yeah. what I know: the winner of Oregon and Washington is in the playoffs. Correct. If Michigan wins, they're in the playoffs. Correct. The winner of Georgia Alabama is in the playoffs. Correct. If FSU wins, they are in the playoffs. I agree with everything you said about they the backup quarterback and they get their ass kicked by everybody else, but the committee is not leaving a 13-0 ACC champ out. Sorry. Um, I also know that if four and five become Alabama and Texas, they have to take Texas over Alabama. Um, which I agree that might be crazy. Um but or neutral field, John, Alabama would be would be favored, but you have to reward head to head. Texas beat them by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. They cannot take Alabama over Texas. Those are things that I know. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll take the contrarian uh uh side of that. I'm not saying this is my opinion, but you know, what's a better win? Um an Alabama win over uh, over number one Georgia or you know, a Texas win over a number eight, you know, Alabama. I totally agree with you. I, I think that um, that head-to-head absolutely should matter, um, but it might not. And and but you know what? It's not going to matter because we're not getting there. Alabama's going to get their ass kicked this weekend, and the committee's going to send a you know thank you note to Kirby. That's what they want to have happen, right? I mean, that's the one absolutely. game where they just have to have happen. Georgia beating there, out. There is a there is a chaos theory out there that with like you know all if the chalk loses, the undefeated teams lose. There'll be like eight, twelve, and one power five teams. Um, and then that will we all hell will break loose as to who gets in. Then that also is that is a scenario where Georgia could lose and still get in if all eight teams uh, or if all if all uh, if chaos erupts. It ain't happening, man. Michigan's a, a sixty-nine point favorite over Iowa. Iowa might not get the first <laughs> down, uh, and Michigan will win three nothing, something like that. Texas is going will win. Um, you know, I don't know about Florida State. Just to your point, that you know, or one of you guys. Uh, Louisville, I thought going to the weekend would probably beat them, but then after losing to Kentucky, um, so yeah, I think the, the probably the two that have the best chance at this point of getting in would be would be Michigan and probably Oregon, uh, who's a, what a ten point favorite. 
Nine and a half, I think it's up to now. But yeah, here's, it, again, as we, as we talked about last week, the best case scenario for the playoff committee is Georgia wins, right? Um, Michigan wins. Doesn't matter Oregon or Washington, but just say Oregon wins for the sake of this discussion, right? And then you've got either a Florida State or a Texas team coming in fourth, depending on that. You get Georgia versus Florida State or Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and you've got the historical matchup between Big Ten and the last year of the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl. Boom, bam, crash. Everyone's happy. Yeah, it would be Except it Rob would Bama. be interesting to see a twelve and one uh, twelve and one Big Twelve champion in their last season of the Big Twelve Texas actually get shafted and not make it in if Florida State wins. Yeah, yeah. So, so Nick, yeah, I mean, Nick, as you look really at shafted, five, as you look at these five games, these these five conference championships starting Friday and going into late Saturday night, which games? Obviously, we'll get to Georgia and Alabama, but of the other ones, where where's your eye going to be looking towards? I mean. I'm pretty excited to watch the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. I mean, it's going to be only game on five o'clock. Oh, sorry. Eight o'clock Eastern boys. Yeah, my yeah. bad. Uh, five o'clock my time on ABC. Uh, my wife uh, has ties to Oregon. So, uh, you know, kind of cheer for them. Dan Lanning. I mean, it's like, I don't know if you ever watch him talk. Like, it's like you can just see the Kirby in him. I don't know. It's just he. uh I really like uh, really like Lanning, and uh, I think that's going to be a pretty good game. And you know, it's what they say: what tough to beat the same team twice in one season. So uh, I think that's going to be a pretty uh, pretty great game. And I think what's great about it too is it's winning you're in for sure in that game. You know, I mean, I can't really picture a scenario where a winner a winner of that game doesn't get in. Well, but here, Nick, let me throw something back at you there too, right? Um, I, I agree with you, first of all. But if you have a 12 and one, uh, here's another chaos here. You got a 12 and one Oregon uh, conference champion, 12 and one Texas conference champion, and, and uh, you know, who gets in over who there? Oh, and, and a 12 and one Alabama. And 12 and Alabama. Champion. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah that's... You, you've got some, some real chaos theory there. Again, Georgia's going to save the day because we're kings of the world and better mm-hmm. never rest. So all good. But, um, yeah, well, so you know, do you think that the rankings are going to be released, uh, you know, on Tuesday or whatever? Do you think where the, you know, the the one loss team stack matters at all for the? No, no, no. Oh, I, think I, think, the, I think it does. I think it does. Well, I think that I think that's the committee's first kind of clue into how they are putting these one loss teams to the hierarchy. And as long as Texas remains ahead of Alabama, I think that's kind of their positioning for chaos unfolding. Correct. Correct. And Oregon's been ahead of both of them the whole season. So, I mean. <laughs> but but Oregon lost to what is now not a great Washington team, you know. So, who's, you know, Alabama's losses arguably uh, would be a, a less bad loss, I guess, than the Oregon, you know, Oregon yeah. lost to Washington. But, no, but not to Oregon. change the subject, but I love the comparisons of uh, Washington Huskies to the, their this year's TCU with the luck they're having in, in uh, one-score games. So uh, hopefully, uh, if Washington hangs on, uh, maybe they'll be at the, uh, the 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 ass end of a sixty-five to seven uh, ass kicking in Houston. I was going to say, feed us the Huskies January whatever in Houston, Texas, and deal. <laughs> I think they um, call themselves the Dogs too, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which kind of always bugs me a little bit, but. Yes. Like, like the Mississippi State sketchy dogs. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so Georgia, Alabama, the line opened up as, at four. Is it gone up to like five or six now? Lawrence, you're, you're the resident expert. Or, or, is that where we're at? 
five um, and a half, uh, five and a half. And I looked at the total a minute ago. It was like uh, 50 something. 55. Uh, under 55. Yeah. You know, I love uh, I love hearing Kirby on the eve of these games, just throwing bouquets and pumping up all these other players and teams. Did you hear what he compared Milrow to today? He's, they, they asked him to compare him to Tebow. He goes, no, 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 he's even different than Tebow. He is a bigger, more physical version of Lamar Jackson is what he's describing <laughs> Milrow as. Um, that's him. just what Kirby does, man. I, I can't wait to watch this game. Um, you know, I know Alabama losing last week would have would have helped us uh, in, in the, you know, off chance that we lose. Um, but I, I'm glad they won. Bring them in top seven, wherever they're at six and, uh, LFG boys, LFG. Yeah. Listen, Alabama's playing, uh, better football. I mean, in spite of last week, they're playing better football than they did at the beginning of the season. And most of that is attributed to Jalen Milrow becoming less shitty. People think that, you know, he was running around after that game saying, give me the MFing Heisman, uh, which was <laughs> just preposterous. Um, uh, he is better than he was at the beginning of the season, but his numbers aren't great. Carson Beck's thrown for a thousand more yards than he has. Not granted, Carson Beck throws the ball more, but the one number that sticks out to me the most, he's only run for 450 yards, Miller, of the season. And I say only because they make him out again, like the second coming of Lamar Jackson there. Uh, Carson Beck has taken eight sacks on the season, Jalen Milrow has taken 34 sacks. And we've talked about this on here before. Um, so, look, um, they've gotten better, but Georgia is by far the, the more talented team. We've talked about this since the first episode this season. There's, And we talked about it on Saturday. There's maybe four players now on Alabama that we would take today over the starters um, at, at Georgia. We're a more complete team. Um, the offense is better coached. The defense is better coached. I, I, I like the dogs. And honestly, I like the dogs to cover, and I think this could be a two-score game. I think this will be a two-score game. Um, I think so. Bama, they got an injury with the running back, Jason McClellan. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the, the four players on their starting their 22 deep that you would take over ours. I know Dallas Turner's probably got to be one of them just because we're like sure. really young at inside linebacker now. Um, but I mean, who else? Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Really? Yeah. Over Dalen Everett. I mean, Dalen Everett's Dalen Everett gets picked on because the other three guys back there can't get touched. I get that, but their their other Alabama's other uh, D back is uh, Terry Ann Arnold, who's who's pretty good. Their secondary is good, man. They got Malachi Moore back there and, and Caleb Downs. Their secondary is the strength of their defense. Their secondary is very good. Um, the only reason I, I wouldn't take Caleb Downs or Malachi Moore is because who who are you going to replace on, on Georgia's team? Not Malachi Starks or um, or or Bullard, right? So those two, Dallas Turner and Kool McKinstry, for sure. Um, you could make an argument that Jermaine Burton would be starting at Georgia uh, today if he were here. Um, and you could also make an argument that, like, you know, J.C. Latham um, could play, you know, left tackle over on the screen here. We all love the the random Twitter folks that just drop knowledge. You know, sometimes it's sketchy, sometimes it's made up. But this guy I found today – Jonathan Williams at Dr. J. Will. Y'all heard this guy before? <laughs> Is he related to Athens Steve or Chop on Corey? <laughs> I, I, I think so. Well, anyway, Dr. Dr. J. Will, he did drop some serious knowledge, just straight statistics and, and stats. And he, he went through everything as common as like scoring offense and scoring defense to like, you know, 
points per game against common opponents, against ranked opponents, uh, against like sacks allowed, against explosive plays. I mean, he got extremely in the weeds and all this. I mean, I'm just scrolling. Good. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and and Georgia dominated every single one. Everyone. Every single statistic. So look, the numbers are there in our favor. Um, we we broke the curse on them a couple of years ago in Indy. Now we got to get over the hump in Atlanta MBS. Um, Gans, I'm with you, dude. I I think it's it's a two score game. I think that it's yeah. Um, I think we just we just impose our will on them. Uh, Kirby exercises the final demon, the, the final SEC Alabama demon, and then we're on the final four, number one. Uh, hopefully, playing FSU in the Sugar Bowl. That's how I see it. So, real quick with. Um... With you know, sort of the the comparisons, just a few things. One thing that I really like, I obviously didn't go through the in depth um, uh, analysis that Chop on Corey did, or whatever this guy's name, <laughs> Doctor J. Doctor J. Rob. So three common opponents this year, right? Ole Miss, Tennessee, Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss, Alabama, twenty four ten at home. Ole Miss uh, versus Georgia, fifty two seventeen at home. Okay, uh, advantage dogs. Uh, Auburn, both injured and here. Both teams put up twenty seven points. Uh, Alabama 27-24, Georgia 27-20. Obviously, we know how both those games ended. Uh, And then Tennessee, this one I found to be pretty interesting. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Alabama 34-20 in Bryant-Denny. Dogs 38-10 in uh, Neyland. So, uh, and then then Bama, honestly, like, let's they beat A&M, the shitty Aggies, right? Uh, when Jimbo was still the coach, so uh, 26-20, right? They beat Arkansas the next week, 24-21 at home. And then, of course, Auburn. We only have two one-score games this season. One was this past weekend at Georgia Tech. We already went through that. The other one was Auburn, 27-20. Even Mizzou, which is probably the best team, definitely the best team we played so far this year, was a two-score game. Um, so all those things make me feel really good. Georgia, uh, you know, there's a reason we're favored by five and a half. And, and like I said, uh, I'll, I'll lay the points. Uh, something that I heard during the broadcast on Saturday that's kind of surprised me. I don't know why, but uh, Georgia Tech, most points anybody scored against us this, this season. season. 23. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I mean, yeah, like that's impressive. Like I feel like our defense has kind of gotten crapped on. I mean, you know in comparison to our elite defenses of the past, but you know, highest points allowed this season, 23, not too shabby. So, uh, uh, Hey Nick, because you're on live with me right now, uh, yeah. you, you didn't get a chance to fact check me. I forgot Kentucky. Kentucky was oh, one other common oh. opponent <laughs> and, uh, and they played Kentucky, bro. They, they beat Kentucky by four touchdowns. Obviously, you know, the dog state to Kentucky, uh, which was just a, a Potter ass kicking 51 to 13. So, so, dude, it's not that he didn't have the chance to fact check you yet. That wasn't part of the program yet. <laughs> he was going to do the ESPN stat boy shtick where at the very, very end, he closes the show by pointing out all the mistakes we made. So you just Fair took enough. away part of it, man. I covered my ass. I just covered my yeah, good ass. Good job. Good job, buddy. Thanks. So just like just like listen, when you said Brian Harson coached the uh Auburn last week, right? He <laughs> might he may as well have. I mean, Jesus, there that was awful coaching. Um, I'm with you guys. I think in every analytical way that you can look at this game, Georgia's the dominant team. We're the better team. Uh, we should win by a touchdown. I I still have uh MBS PTSD. Um, I'm going to take the dogs. I think we win. I think it's a close one. I think it's like a 30 to 27 type game. Um, the only, and the other part that scares me is just uh, a week ago, 
the public odds when the line was really low was very heavily on Alabama for whatever reason. Then after the Auburn game, uh, right now, as we sit here recording on Monday night, uh, 60 something, 64% of the wagers are currently in on Georgia. So the dogs are kind of heavy, the heavy public favorites right now at five and a half. I would see that line probably moving up a little bit, but I think, I mean, I'm pretty confident we win. I think Bama covers. So in your scenario with your 30 to 27 score, Lawrence, with all due respect to to hot rod and hot pod, I feel really good about a, a close game with our boy Peyton Woodring. I've got all the confidence in the world in that guy, especially kicking in, in the dome inside. He's come, I mean, on week one, week two, we said that's a big concern, big question mark. But I, I feel pretty good. Um, I feel pretty good about him. So even if we're in a close game, I like it. Uh, Stan, speaking of uh, Woodring, there was a, video i saw on the interwebs of him warming up and he was kicking the ball from the end line off the upright like like it was you know like a game or something like that's pretty cool that's uh yeah. he's, you know. he's a stud he's a stud so i've got i'll go ahead and give my score uh 34 23 dogs <laughs> i like it uh, lawrence like lawrence gave something so I, I gotta put my money where my mouth is i'm i'm going more i'm going 37 21 I like it. Uh, that's my favorite one so far. Nick, you got Where one. Are you? We haven't heard your your prediction. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared to make a prediction. I, you know, I'm, I get all nervous with these games. I, I most of the time, I'm afraid to ever make a prediction because it's like I feel like I'm going to give bad juju, as if me and my sports bar in San Diego has power over. You know. Only on that side of the You're fine on this side. Kirk Herbstreit. He's he's Kirk Herbstreit. Oh, right, 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 can't give I'm us a opinion on the score. <laughs> I'm calling the game on Saturday, boys. I can't. <laughs> um, all right, I'll say uh, I'll say dogs. Uh, Thirty-three, Alabama, twenty-six. All right, we'll take it. I just that's a, that's a really right good score, Nick Adams. <laughs> that is the uh, the thirty-three from our championship and that's the twenty-six right. from theirs, huh? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I like that it on purpose. All right. The the other reason why I wanted Nick here tonight, um, other than to enjoy this thirty minutes with him, although probably longer than thirty minutes, is I need um, I need you to give us uh, some calls on the sucker bet and what Lawrence can and cannot do tonight in terms of trying to get himself back to a respectable five hundred number. He is six and eight on the year. The the win last week, the uh, the Iowa game. I do want to spend some time on it because that under was an epic, an epic cover. Um, for Lawrence. So look, I told you last week, me and Jason both said, if you wanted to, to press and you want to get some extra games in, we gave you the right to do it. Nick is the final arbiter of all things. So the left side of the screen, the two of you guys take it from here. So I'm, I'm prepared to pick the board as you put in our, our outline. So kindly put in our outline. I'm prepared to pick the board. However, there's two games that really fit my sucker bet criteria um that i can also pick so you guys tell me you want me to go and pick one two three four five games or you want me to pick the two the two that i think qualify for sucker criteria nick make you make the rules so 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 in gambling you know one of the great things about gambling is you can always there's always another bet you can chase right chase so you know six and eight six and eight can turn to what 10 and 11 and 8, right? We could get a winning record after this. So, hey, Larry, yeah. I'm all for it, man. Go in on, investing, go in. In, in, in investing, that's called catching a falling knife. <laughs> what, if, 
What does six and 13 look like? <laughs> Not, that looks like Stanford, Steve. All right, Adam, you ready? You got your pen ready? ready. There's going to be, there's going to be no erasers here for this one. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. I'm going to take Iowa plus the points. I'm going to take the Longhorns laying 11 and a half against Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm going to take FSU minus the four and a half versus Louisville. Louisville. Um, I already mentioned I'm going to take Bama plus the points, but the dogs to win outright. Uh, Puke. (laughs) Um, The game that I feel qualifies for sucker bet criteria on the board, the most obvious one is the massive number that Oregon is laying. It almost makes no sense to not take Washington. Um, they're undefeated. They've already beat them once and they're getting more than a touchdown. So I'm taking the ducks. I think Washington is a sucker play. I'm going to take the ducks laying eight and a half and then just one for fun. We're going to throw on top of here. Um, Tulane is uh minus five and a half and the public is heavy on SMU. And so I'm going to take the green wave and w- what's his name? Willie Salucci, their coach. Will. what's his name? Willie, what's his name? Willie, I'm taking the green wave and Willie. Paul Booth Willie. <laughs> Willie Salucci, uh, RIP, isn't he? Uh, do, do we get do we officially get the Larry six pack? Gans, did he give us a full six pack just now? Yeah, I love him. I love him. He's uh I he's I gonna start betting WNBA. <laughs> all right, all right. What's well, it's it's memorialized. So you need to go what four and two to to end up at five hundred? Four and two to end up at five hundred. I need to go five and one to uh, win money. There you go. All right, Jason, what did you decide? Uh, last week we said we were going to play this Jimbo out for the end of the season. You still want to do that? Yeah, it's going to be a quick one this week. I think everyone knows where we're going with this. It's uh, Brian Harson for the second week in a row. Uh, oh, I mean, Hugh Freeze. Uh, uh, I, did, I heard a statistic on um, SEC final that said, um, it, as far back as I could go, when, whenever a team was facing fourth and goal from 25-plus yards, they were 0 for 90. They are now one for 91. Uh, the statistical odds of converting that were less than uh, 0.1%. Not to rehash what Nick and, and Lawrence already said in terms of uh, two guys rushing and a spy. It basically reminded me of playing football in the backyard growing up where you just stay back there with the automatic quarterback and you wait for someone to run open. That is what they did. It really was coaching about practice, Lawrence. It was, it was just an absolute... You follow up a historical loss against New Mexico State with a historical loss against Alabama. That, we might have to rename the award to the Brian Harson Freeze for next year. So I, I can't, I can't, dis- I can't disagree with where you're coming from. I, I would have probably stuck a little closer to home because it affected us so much. Just the ticket takers, oh, okay. Georgia Tech Stadium. You got in. It sounds like you got in easier than we did, but ours was an absolute disaster. So. I, that's if I'm giving out the award, that's who I give it to. So hey, I, I thought bug. you, I thought you were going to go, Gans. I thought you were going to go in the direction of Texas A&M and Ross Bjork again with oh, their God. quick call on Mike Stoops um, and or Mark Stoops, whichever the Kentucky Stoops brother, and then the subsequent Aggie revolt, which caused him to go uh, well, take his ball and go home and end up with their uh, their second or third choice. I considered that, but just the historical nature of the over 90 and just that, that meltdown um, was uh, superseded that. But more to that story, they apparently had interviewed Jed Fish and were going to make an offer to Jed Fish. He was kind of an up and comer, uh, the, the coach of Arizona. And then 
apparently Bjork just decided to do a 180 and kind of go rogue and uh, and try to hire um, Stoops. And then, of course, as we talked about before, the internal fighting between border regions, people that can't get out of their own goddamn way there. Uh, then they floated his name, got shake hand, and then they go with Mike Elko. I don't know if you guys saw the press conference today, but I just saw a Twitter thing from it. They all put their arms around each other, started swaying back and forth and chanting something. Uh, so they are strange folk. Uh, can we give an honorable mention to uh, old Sunbelt Billy and Florida? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the stat, but the fourth quarter statistics in that uh, Florida Florida State game, Florida minus 15 yards, 50 <laughs> yards of penalties, no points. Uh, pretty pretty brutal. Uh, I actually went back and watched because I they were up 12 to nothing, had just sacked Rodemaker in the end zone, and yep. got the ball after the like little free kick on the other side of the 40, and decided to run a a flea flicker toss that resulted in intentional grounding <laughs> resulted in them having to give the ball back to Florida state. We're stopping them. And then one of their players spit on a Florida state I player, did. got ejected, continued to drive Florida state scored a touchdown. And you know, it just kind of went from there, but oh, they, man, just the last time Florida state went to a bowl game, Georgia hadn't won a national championship in 40 years. To put things in perspective, Sunbelt Billy is now 10 and 14 in two years. Um, of course, after Dan Mullen's uh, disastrous uh, 2021 season, that program is in bad, bad shape. So, so Nick, I will allow the honorable mention. Very well done. Uh, and let me just thank you for coming on and spending this time with us uh, this evening. We appreciate your contributions to the podcast all year long. You are the man. Uh, we, we kind of tongue in cheek said, you know, stat boy, come in and, and correct us what we, what we did wrong. Um, I don't know, man, anything, anything that we said so far, <laughs> I had, I only had, I think I had three things written down. I think Gans said earlier uh, that we were up 31 to 13, going to 38 to 13. It was actually 31 to 16 and it would have become 38 no. to 16. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to check that. I'm gonna, uh... You're going to fact check the fact checker. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. In- incorrect. You are incorrect, what? my friend. It yep. was thirty-one are- to it was thirty-one to sixteen. It was thirty-one to thirteen before they kicked that field goal to go thirty-one to sixteen. All right. Yeah. The the other one that uh so uh Larry said that Kentucky was a six-win team. They are they are they're seven and five. And then the head coach of Tulane, uh Willie Fritz. That's his name. Yeah, uh, close he, enough. he had a dalliance actually with Georgia Tech. They tried to uh they were gonna hire him, I think, and then uh I don't know what happened. They couldn't get him. Willie Fritz Britain. sounds like a guy who's like 75 <laughs> years old, likes to hang out at the Indian Hills bar, you know, drinking is dr- starting to drink like uh, some sort of uh fruity cocktails at 2 p.m. <laughs> so r- real quick, Nick, I think on yours it was 31. I think I might have not misspoke, but I think there's uh some communication gone awry oh, okay. there. Okay. It was 31 to 13. Uh, uh, at one point going into the fourth quarter. Yes, yes, and then, yes. Th- Okay, and then when we were uh, we threw an interception, it might have been 31-16, so uh, miscommunication there, okay. which uh, I think are most of our uh, most of our issues. Though I'm sure I've screwed up many things here at this podcast. Never my prediction, though. No. Nick, you are a damn <laughs> national treasure, my friend. A national treasure. We appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate uh, we, you guys. We also appreciate we appreciate all the listeners out there that have stuck with us through uh what 13 weeks. 
Um, look, guys, I want to be back here next Monday night talking about Georgia SEC champs again and heading to the playoffs. That's all I want to have happen. It's going to happen. Everybody out there, enjoy your week. Go dogs. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys for the time with us. See you next week. Peace out. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.